Hello, friends, and welcome to the Right Away Podcast. It is August 18th, 2022, as we are recording. I'm Chris Kane with my co-host... JP Rightbush. How was your writing week, JP? Yes. <laughs> yes, it existed. It existed. It was good. I hit a road bump in the publishing six. I think because whenever I get to, you know, 20%, I'm just like, this is trash. Just like I'm sure everyone else is. So I took a day off of it. I worked on my other project, which I got the first round of edits done. And then I came back to it today and I was like, this is less like trash and more like recycled goods. So then I started working on it and it functioned a little better. So I just needed like a day away from it to do other things. I occasionally feel like really narcissistic because a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I found my old writing and it was terrible. And I'm almost like, oh my gosh, I found my old writing. It was way better than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that happens to me. I'm just like, this wasn't as bad as I remember. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Um, My writing week did not happen last week the the kiddo's birthday was on friday so we had celebration things on friday and saturday because of school and i can only do one thing in my life at a time so last week i was Mm -hmm. mom Uh, and we got our new oven last week and so I think it was, I know it was Thursday and Friday. I completely didn't write, period. Monday, I also did not write because it was Costa Rican Mother's Day. And what did they do on Costa Rican Mother's Day? Give the kids the day off school. That's not what they do here. I mean, Mother's Day is on Sunday. Ours is on Sunday, yeah. But it was fun. Like we, We went and did fun things. But so three days completely wiped off the charts. But yesterday and Tuesday, I I got my writing in. I didn't quite get 2,000 words yesterday. I got 1,600, but like 2,000 is is my goal of like once I can get to that consistently every day, that's my level of steadiness that I want to be at. Will I push myself to do more than that? Maybe. Um, Just depending on if I have the... I feel like I'm not going to be pushing myself towards exhaustive burnout where I'll be like, oh, let's do a little bit more than I did yesterday. Oh, let's do a little bit more Mm -hmm. than I did yesterday. I don't want that, but I do want consistently 2,000 words a day. Fingers crossed. Regardless of the fact that your week was jam-packed with fun momming, that sounds wonderful. It sounds like it was a good week. Pretty decent. There's lots of cake and frosting. Who who wants anything else? I want cake and frosting. Can I give you a quick mug cake update? Yes, please. I tried to make... Okay, so one, I know how to make mug cake. And I know how to make decent mug cake. I made mug cake yes, mud cake yesterday, and it was mud. I don't know what happened. It, like, uncooked itself. Oh, and there weird. was just... It was weird. I didn't like it. So that's for Janet, just if you're listening. I don't know what happened. Nice. I think I added too much oil, and it was just, like, a weird oily mess. It was weird. I didn't like it. Yeah, when I get a, a microwave, which they're they're just ridiculously expensive here. You can't get one for like less than sixty bucks, and you have to really work for one that's sixty bucks. Like most of them are over a hundred bucks, just for a cheapo one. So I don't have a microwave, but when I do, I will join the mug cake mug cake club, which I was a member, strong member of before I moved here. So well. 
you just need to get ramekins and you can be like the oven mug cake person. I also have not been able to find ramekins. If I find ramekins, I'm becoming the creme brulee queen. That's just how that's going. That does sound wonderful. I can't, I can't find it until I may, or I can't make it until I find a good replacement, but. Yeah, it would yeah. take take a lot of replacements. You're like, and nothing is the same <laughs> except the sugar. <laughs> and this is quote unquote creme brulee. It's not. Yeah. It's chia seeds. Yeah. Basically. Okay. So our question this week is inspired by the tarot card, The Sun. We are nearing the end of the arcana. Can you give us a description of The Sun, GP? Yes. So... Uh, for reference, the sun is three from the end, and it is where everything of the moon card, which was the previous one, is all about mysteries and whatnot. The sun is all about positivity, fun, warmth, success, vitality, and in reverse, it can mean inner child, feeling down, or overly optimistic. Um, sun card is just this positive card it's a large bright sun that shines in the sky representing the source of all life on earth underneath that and the uh, rider weight uh card series uh four sunflowers grow tall above a brick wall representing the four suits of the minor arcana and the four elements there is a young child sitting on top of a calm white horse child being the joy and uh all that fun pure strength lifeliness yes and so we're getting near the end but we're not to the end we're not talking about necessarily like the full ending of your story but Mm. we're getting to like the feel-good parts maybe not necessarily denouement but like where successes have been happening or past the dark night of the soul and how do you get that accomplished feeling to your readers when you hit this point of the story. Like, how do you deliver, JP? (laughs) What a big question. Um, So I think our question, what was our question of the week? It was a vague, like talking about mice quotients. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In terms of that, I guess we need to define mice quotient just in case. Yes. Do you want to do that? Mice or mace quotient is style of structure developed by Orson Scott Card, but most widely taught by Mary Robinette Cole all these days. I'll try and put some clips in the show notes of things where she's expanded on that on YouTube or on other podcasts. But basically, it's four different styles of plot threads that you can use in your writing to, one, keep track of where in the world you're going and what kind of story you're telling, but two, to also close in a way that is emotionally satisfying for your readers. This part of the explanation is going to be a little difficult without having a visual, but if you are at all familiar with code, you'll grab this right away, but say you're writing an HTML document. Most people have a little bit of experience with this these days. When you open a bracket, say you want to make a part of your text bold, you open a bracket, use the code for bold, which is B or strong, close the bracket, put the text that you want in there, do another open bracket, but then you do a slash that says, hey, we're ending this. Then do your bold and then your close bracket. When you're doing this, you can't mix up the order that you end brackets. So you can't say, I want to do bold, italic, 
but then end bold italic. You have to close them in the reverse order that you open them. So you go bold, italic, bold. In the same way, when you are opening plot threads, you have to close them in reverse order. So the four plot types in the, I'm gonna go with mace quotient because it's a little bit easier to comprehend the second letter. M is milieu, so this is Gulliver's Travels. The story starts when you enter a place, it ends when you leave a place. So you know that the plot thread has started when you enter a new place, and then a plot thread has ended when you're able to leave that place. And the question that is usually asked is, how do we get out of here? It's not just, oh, we're going somewhere and then we're leaving. It's like, how do we get out of this place that we've gone to? Then the second letter, which in mice is inquiry, but in mace is ask answer, is you're, you have a question. This is the detective novel's main thread. You ask a question, the plot thread is done when that question is answered. Who killed Joe Schmo at the library? When you figure out who killed Joe Schmo, you've answered that plot thread. C is character. It starts with a character who is unsatisfied with some aspect of their life, and the plot thread ends when they have either come to accept that part of their life or they've changed it. That one's my favorite one. There's so much room there. But then there's also the event. This is your action plot threads. Something big happens. For some reason, my brain always goes to the big alien movies like, uh, was it 4th of July? Aliens invade. And then we have to deal with it. And the event plot thread ends when you've come to a new status quo of dealing with whatever happened to start the plot thread off the event. Yeah. All of these get mixed up in a story. So let's use the Wizard of Oz as an example. In the beginning, it's character. Dorothy's unsatisfied with her life. Then we go into milieu, I would believe, because the tornado can be an event, but it's mostly milieu. She goes to Oz. Before you can settle up the character thread, you have to settle up the milieu thread of getting her out of Oz. And then she can settle up her character thread of recognizing where she, like how she's changed or like how her internal self has changed rather than her external self. Mm -hmm. And you, and like all these thread plot threads can sprinkle all in. But as we're getting to the end, we want to satisfy those in reverse order. And the more you can satisfy, the more of the bigger plot threads you can satisfy closer together at the end, the more emotional payoff it's going to have for the reader. But... What if you're writing a series? And I think this is where you were headed with your question. Yeah. So I love the HTML thing and that's how I view it, but also an easier method would be like the Russian nesting dolls because you can't put them mm -hmm. back together without having to go to the smallest and get to the largest bit. And even though like we have long running series, I still try to satisfy this mice quotient regardless because I've found that when coming to a close, I'll either read through an outline or we'll get to the end of it and I'll see that maybe one of those endings has been reversed and it doesn't hit. It feels a little different. So then I look at it and I'm like, okay, how can I flip these around and then it almost like it comes off better like uh, we usually get more of a response from it. We notice that with the short story and I think with one of books i think book one and so i really love the idea of mice quotient i really love the idea of opening and closing loops and then leaving little questions at the end so what i like to do is with series which is it's like difficult so i'm like i don't know i love to open up a new question near the end that kind of overlaps into the next book 
but satisfy anything that came from the beginning. So it's almost like there is a secondary mice that opens up near like 75% mark that will get closed out in that second book or something along those lines where there's just a, a broader question that might get closed later, but there's still these contained loops that exist within the story. Yeah, with the romance, because I'm switching to a new character pairing every, like a new character couple every book, when I throw in a loop at the end, a cliffhanger, I almost always do it like in the last 1%, 1 to 5%, and it will be, like I may have alluded to then one of the next characters, like emotional wound or so that people are like getting invested in them, but it's not like an, a true open loop yet. And then I'll often throw kind of an event open loop at the very end of the book after everything's been settled, we're in the denouement. And then the, in the last bit, there's like, oh no, something big has happened that is going to affect this next character, mm. but doesn't affect the main character. So it doesn't affect the satisfaction of the story I told. And then I'll return to the main couple again for just a last little bit, a last little mushy scene. We got to have that fluff ending in romance that really nails the feels. And then I go on to the next book. Now, when I start the next book, I might not start immediately with that cliffhanger that I left with. I might go back a little bit further in time from that character's point of view and give you like either a character, probably a character opening rather than an event opening. And then like within a chapter to get to that event opening, like right quick. Um, but the, what the event opening for me is, is the most or, or ask answer, like a question or an event are the two cliffhangers I really enjoy employing with with romance to lead you into the next book, even if the next book is not going to be mostly frameworked by that plot type. I think most of my books tend to be frameworked by the character mm -hmm. type, but those two are the most effective at your wham, bam, bring you into the next book. I think too, and this would be why like prologues are so useful in things like epic fantasy or long running series, in my opinion, is that is a really easy way to make a loop that could close at the end of a series by having a prologue at the mm -hmm. beginning. So for example, in like our um, Leah Ackerman series, our big opening loop, we show the really big bad characters right at the beginning. But then this story is about a character that was sent out by the big bad characters. So it's almost like we've opened this loop that is going to come to a close near the end of our series. And then we started opening the loops that were part of this book. And I don't know if that would help anyone, but I think that that's something that I like to do. I like prologues, especially within the fantasy realm, because especially when I think of things like anime or manga, like they open up those really big loops right at the beginning, just so that you are, as a reader, prepared for what's about to come, that this is gonna be a long battle, this is gonna be a long story, and that what you are about to read is just a small snippet of that. Yeah, when I think of Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings, Stormlight Archives is the series, Way of Kings is the first book. The first book opens, with a scene that is, I forget, like 10 to 30 years before the main story takes place and an assassin kills the king. And so you are left hanging with this ask answer plot thread. Who killed the king? Who sent him and why? We don't know, we have no idea. And that hovers over 
all of the books as we're working towards that answer, which I'm sure won't come until at least the end of book five, because I know he, from what I, he plot he plots things really interesting, but I think he's planning this series in two five book mm-hmm. arcs. But we know I not get the answer until the end of book ten. And the other big series that comes to mind, which Sanderson worked on, was Robert Jordan's. Uh, what's the big series? Oh, I don't know why my brain gave out. Wheel of Time. Just. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, why did like, they just made the, started making the TV show of it? But yeah, Wheel of Time. It starts out with a very strange scene, because I haven't finished the series, so I have no idea what happens with that ties us in. This very strange scene of despair mm-hmm. and this guy like wailing about everybody being dead, and it's Wheel of Time, so everything goes in circles. You know that very early on. But how this circle, like this scene of like death, destruction, and despair ties into these this small group of friends and acquaintances from this tiny town getting thrust into the wider politics of the world and war and destiny i don't have a clue but someday we'll get there and we're left with these questions that are framing the entire series and giving you the promise that it's epic that there's there's more to come and if you think about it if that gets answered within that first book as a reader you're almost like what's the point of the rest of it and it's mm-hmm. the same, in my opinion, with this whole Mice Quotient. Now, if you have, the, I don't know, if you don't follow Mice Quotient, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. But in my mind, using the Mice Quotient, it's almost like if I'm not fulfilling it in that same pattern, then the next thing to be resolved, it's almost like, what's the point? So, for example, Dorothy. If the mm-hmm. big, big opening is Dorothy's character, her dissatisfaction with the location she's in, And then she realizes that she's actually happy with where she was before she gets back home. That almost becomes a different story. It becomes another journey of her getting back home after realizing that home was always in her heart. But if she's able to close the loop of returning back home and then getting that like character, that dissatisfaction and like resolving that, it, it closes it tightly packages everything nicer and that's almost like what happens when you reverse things as you close them out is you're almost opening or the potential to open another loop or break something absolutely what question would we like to ask our listeners this week how do you resolve the loops that you open do you follow the mice quotient have you used the mice quotient before or do you follow a different path Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us this and every other week. We are about to go record our podcast episode, which is where we're using the sun card to inspire our business question of the week, which this week is about reorienting to joy in writing. And you can find that over at www.patreon.com along with all of our other patron exclusive posts. See you later.